You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Corbin. And I'm Claire Perini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast. Today, friends, uh, we're welcoming back an, an old friend who we thought would be an old friend but has continued on being a friend of Regent College. Uh, Dr. Ewan Russell Jones, who was a much beloved professor at Regent. He served the college from 2011 to 2020 as the Eugene and Jan Peterson Chair in Theology and the Arts. And if you know Ewan, you know he has a passion for talking about the things that matter. And usually that's art, but today, or art, for you, Nick. Just, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you just don't want to get confused. Yes. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Um, he normally talks about art, but today we're talking with him about sports and how we understand sports and worship and are sports sacred? And uh, But what happens? Is there something transcendent happening in the kind of sporting moment when we watch, when we play, when we participate in it? Mm. And he sort of relates actually sports to art as well, interestingly, as Ewan usually does. So it was a really, as always, a vibrant and lively conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, it gave me a greater appreciation for sports me in too. general. I am not a huge sports fan, but I understand now and feel like I have a theological grid after this conversation for sports, the meaning of them and, and the importance that they play in in society, not just uh, as analogies, but actually uh, having having deeper meaning, like all things. So Ewan was wonderful in unpacking these things. So friends, we hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did with Dr. Ewan Russell-Jones. Ewan Russell-Jones, welcome to the Regent College podcast. Thank you very much. We're glad to have you. It's always a little bit, um, you know, a little bit nerve-wracking having a BBC broadcaster as, you know, a guest on the podcast today. Yeah. So <laughs> just whip out your yeah. best, you know, your best broadcaster voice for us. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, um, of course, you know, the, in the old days, the, the broadcasters used to kind of have a top that was, you know, kind of, um, you know, like evening dress or something like that, but they'd be wearing shorts or right. kind of... Uh, you know, nothing on the bottom half. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's basically what people have been doing all through the through the pandemic with with Zoom, yeah. right? Just party on the top. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. business business on the top, party on the bottom. Um, <laughs> so you and we're talking about something today about sports and about kind of theology in sports and worship in sport and how we understand that. Do you want to tell us how did your passion for sports develop? How did you become a fan? Did you play sports growing up? What did you play? Probably rugby. Maybe yeah. soccer, football. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a Welshman, yes. And um, so rugby uh, goes with the territory in in lots of ways. Although soccer, soccer has always been a significant game in Wales, and um, at the moment, it's probably more popular than rugby. Yeah. you know, it's always yeah. been thought of as the national game. Hmm. Um, but we've had some disasters uh, on that front fairly hmm. recently, and then. The, but the, the the Welsh soccer team has actually um, had amazing success, including getting to the uh, the World Cup, um, which happens later this year, and that's the first time in huh. you know since 1957 or something. Unbelievable! So um, yeah, sport has been you know is around. I think if you grow up. In Britain, um, certainly my generation, sports were part of the school curriculum. You were just expected to do them. Um, and well be tied if you didn't like it, you know, uh, <laughs> you know the boys would kind of go and hide behind the bike sheds for a quick sort of ciggy uh, while they're supposed to be doing, you know, three laps around the track or something like that. Uh, but it was it was it was built into the school day. So that was uh, that was there. And but also there's just so much sport going on but britain is is very is very much a sporting country you've got mm-hmm. all these, um these these kind of soccer teams that c- kind of demand huge loyalty allegiance so yeah very trial tribal in that sense mm-hmm. and then rugby um you know it was the same when i was growing up i um uh i would i grew up in Llanelli, which is in west wales and uh, they had a fantastic uh side for many years local side um, which 
has now been swallowed up in a big region, mm. as so many of the, the small sides have. But mm-hmm. um, they played t- big touring sides like the Australians and the New Zealanders and, and beat them on occasion. You Just know, every now and then. Always massive occasions, you know, um, when the pubs run dry, as the saying goes. <laughs> so you just kind of, it, it, it's sort of in the air, really. Yeah. Um, and added to that, I just love it. I mean, I, I, I love watching Match of the Day on, um, uh, on on television. That was the, you know, Saturday coverage of the uh, the, the kind of the, the major league soccer. Um, and then the rugby, the, all of the rugby internationals were covered. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, of course, I'd get to go to a rugby international. Um, the, the older I got, you know, if you you managed to get hold of a ticket, they were like gold dust. Mm-hmm. Uh, still are actually. Um, it's quite quite difficult to to get into the games, but when you go, it's a big big occasion, mm-hmm. and there's singing, and there's that sense of, you know, somewhere or other when when Wales rugby come together and Wales soccer now actually, it's like this is the nation, you know. Yeah. So. It's yeah. um, for a, a small country like ours, it matters. Who's your team? Is it? I mean, obviously in the international, it's, it's probably Wales. But do you have another team that you? Oh follow? yeah, so on, on the on the football front, so yeah. football as we call it. You yeah, know, soccer is, is <laughs> an American word. Really, soccer. You know, football, football, real football that you play right. with the feet. Yeah, um, yeah, makes Liverpool. sense. Oh, Liverpool. So, okay. Liverpool's always been my side. In in when I was growing up. Uh, in the 1960s, again, just watched it on on uh, on television, match of the day. But there was a very big, uh, you know, it's probably not politically correct to call him fat. I mean, uh, but he was he was a big chubby goalkeeper that captured my imagination mm. uh, back in the 1960s. And uh, from that moment, I, I was captured for Liverpool. And then they went through the 70s and they started becoming really successful. Mm. Um and successful not just in uh, English football, but also in Europe. And they won the European Cup various times. And mm-hmm. uh, um, so uh, this uh, recent, um, recently they've had another uh, period of amazing uh, success and brilliant mm-hmm. football. And uh, it's great to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, so fun. Have you have you watched the TV show Ted Lasso? No. Oh, have you, Nick? I have watched it. it so it feels like it's it gives you an insight into the British kind of football <laughs> soccer kind of culture with this American coach that comes in. Anyway, I won't it's but it's it's where the pubs are running dry and there's this kind of worship oh, yeah. of the teams and everything. It's yeah, it gives yeah, you a yeah. really interesting insight into that whole football kind of culture yeah. in the yeah, UK. I mean, you know, it, it is serious. I mean we're probably yeah. gonna go into this, but I mean it's serious stuff yeah. in, in all in all sorts of levels and it, it kind of really matters to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. So with this series, I mean, is there like, what would you say the meaning of of sport? Obviously, it's meaningful for you, for a lot of people, uh, football, uh, soccer, rugby, all there's There's a lot of, is there a deeper meaning though? Cricket. Like there's like, yeah, I, I there's so many sports weekend, baseball. <laughs> I'm trying to well, think of, other, is there, a, it, is there a deeper, like there's like two polar opposites, I think that some people resonate as like sports is merely a game while others maybe even worship it as, as a God. Like, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the thing is, I don't understand anybody who says it's a mere game. Of Mm. course it's a mere game, but nothing, it's a human activity. And, Mm. you know, the stuff, the things that we do matter to us and they should matter to us, you know? So whether my team wins or, I mean, I can get really, kind of anxious about how my team is doing (laughs) in a particular game, in a season, you know, and does it really matter in the big scheme of things? Well, probably not, but it kind of does matter Mm. in, in, in all sorts of ways about, you know, relationships between Mm. the manager and the players, uh, what what the fans are doing, uh, the kind of beauty of the game. Those things are not just mere activities. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a player doing something fantastic, scoring a wonderful goal, making a kind of great tackle. It's just it 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 makes it it makes your heart sore, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. you can say, well, it's a mere game. But it's nothing's a mere, it's a human activity which matters to us. And it's like art. I mean, I think 
I mean, I obviously I've spent uh, lots of time at Regent uh, teaching about the arts, and I think that sport and art are very, very closely related. Mm. What's the meaning of art? You know, people talk about you know, um, is it just a merely uh, you know an art, a mere art, or is it an idol? Mm. Well, I, you know, it's not either of those. It's not right. You know, you can't, you can't do an either or there. Of course, it's more than a mere painting. It's beautiful. It, it it means something. It takes me my imagination makes my makes my heart sore. It makes me think. It makes me despair. I mean, it does all sorts of things. Mm. Um, of course, it can become an idol, but because it's not an idol for me, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. It does mean something hmm. deeply. T- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think this is one of the the problems of any human activity. Actually, all human activity matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but how much does it matter? And in what way does it matter? Those are the kind of things that I think are, are, are more important to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Does it does it matter biblically? I think is one of my other questions. Is how do we you know we there, we always talk about there's lots of you know land imagery or like farming imagery in scripture. We don't always talk about the biblical imagery of sport. So you know Paul's Paul's saying running the, you know talks about running the race or fighting the good fight in one Timothy or and running the race in one Corinthians. Yeah. How do how do we understand sports in a biblical um, framework are they just analogies, or is there something more going on? Does Paul actually care about sport as well? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know whether he cared about it, but he, he obviously knew about it and yeah. knew that it mattered, and he used it as a metaphor. Did he? You know, he, he, mm-hmm. he did use it as a an analogy, and you know, even at that level, sport matters, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it does provide us with um, metaphors for life. And you can think about this. I mean, I, I, I remember doing way back, uh, I did a, a series for the BBC about icons of American life um, when I was living in America in, in the 90s. And I did one one of the programmes on baseball. Mm. How baseball is really deeply connected with the American psyche. Mm. And it was really fascinating for me to learn about them. I mean, I, I was witnessing it on a day-to-day basis you know, as a newcomer to America and and seeing the way in which it plays into the summer in so many play, mm. places, not just major league baseball, but, you know, the little leagues yeah, and the, yeah. you know, the kids and, and all of that. And then the way it provides metaphors for life. <laughs> I remember one uh, one sociologist of, of sport talking about the way in which for American boys particularly, um, baseball had provided certain metaphors for sex mm. and sexual kind of adventurism, if you like, you know, mm. getting the first base and, and, all, and all of that, you know. And it, But, I mean, you, you can say, well, okay, that's trivial. It's not trivial. These these things, they it means that baseball has shaped the imagination mm. of people in mm-hmm. some ways and made us think about life in certain ways. Mm. So, of course, I think those things, when Paul talks about running the race, um, I, I think yes, it is a metaphor, but it's about it's more than that because what's at play here is our use of the body, isn't it? Yeah. See, he's saying, "Hey, you're involved in this. You're as a per, as a complete person. You're physically engaged with this, mm-hmm. and that physical engagement matters. It goes way beyond a physical engagement into a kind of yeah, an eternal struggle, if you like, or a, you know, certainly an earthly, earthly struggle, and a lifelong struggle, and that is significant. Mm-hmm. So, sport is doing that for us all the time, mm. as art. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the imagination? I mean, obviously, that's a whole other thing. But like, what do you what do you mean when you talk about the Christian or the imagination or the Christian imagination and how it's shaping our imagination? Can you say? And it's, I know you do a whole course on this, and so it's. But can you talk a little bit more about how we understand the imagination? Yeah, I mean, you, one can become very kind of ethereal about this, as though you know, somewhere or other, it's this kind of just this intellectual activity, but. What we know about art is it always comes out of our bodies. Mm. It always comes, it's always related in some way. Even the most ethereal music comes out of our bodies. You know, we blow down a tube in order, you know, we we strike the drums or, or the keyboard. Um, we pluck the strings. And 
music is all about that. Hmm. It comes out of our bodies. And um, certainly when we're writing, we're using our body to, to write or, or type or, 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 or whatever it is. And we're using um, the whole physical experience of life mm. to actually create something mm. that makes us think about more than just a physical activity, more right. than just a kind of something mundane and if you know ephemeral. So I, I I think it's really important to stress that that art and sport are related to the body. And mm. of course, the biblical understanding of us as creatures begins right there, doesn't it? Mm. Human beings made by God in the image of God, you know, formed out of clay, formed out of the dust of the ground. I, I actually um, shape the whole of the Christian imagination class around the theme of Ash Wednesday, mm. um, because Ash Wednesday, I think, provides us with an, this amazing understanding of the human person, you know, that we're, um, you know, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. To, well, it's not, it, you know, it, that's not a kind of a dismissal of the body. Mm. It's actually a reminder of where we come from, what our kind of origins are, and what our destiny is. And then mm. we're marked with this cross of ashes. And it's a cross, you know, not as a sign of mortality, but as a sign of hope. Mm. Um but for our bodies, for our for our for our whole existences, so the imagination um, is shaped. The Christian imagination is shaped deeply by the biblical account of creation, of you know our place in the world, um, the reality of the world around us, because we know that all is not well, that you know life uh, uh, ain't what it should be. Mm -hmm. um, and we are not what, what what we should be. And so the reality of life and the reality of sin, all of that plays into our imagination too um, and, and, and shapes it. And, what, and what, does the, what does the Bible have to say about that? Well, it doesn't sort of just dismiss all of those things and dismiss all of those struggles. Of course, it it's a condemnation of sin, but it's also a, a calling to live a different kind of life, mm. to transcend this, to deny the sin, to turn our turn our backs upon it, and to live to live differently in the body, to mm. live, you know. And so you've got creation, fall, redemption in Christ, and think of the way that Christ plays into the Christian imagination. You can't, you know, whatever Christian art is about, it's always in a sense Christ shaped and cross shaped. You know, mm. even if it's not about Jesus overtly even if it's not about the cross overtly actually i think christian art always has these elements within it that point to the cross actually mm. and to the hope that there is in christ of forgiveness of mercy and of life everlasting mm. uh, and then you know that takes you on to the final bit which is the consummation of, of all things in christ all of those things have to do with the imagination actually and deeper that we enter into the Christian account of life, the more our imaginations are shaped by that mm. and reflect it. Mm -hmm. mm. So, you what, you know, what would you say then would like the elements within sport and sporting activity point to Christ? You don't have to. You don't have to be around sport for very long, and you know, I'm, I'm sure sport journalism, for example. The slow-mo, you know, um, and I'm, I'm talking now here about suffering, particularly mm. the agony of somebody missing a goal or messing up, letting mm. in, or, you know, um, doing something that they know they shouldn't have, letting down their teammates, um, letting down themselves. Um, mm. but the the, the mm. snapshot of the player in that moment can be absolutely well. I mean, they're almost echoes at times of crucifixion narratives. Hmm. I, I, you know, I've seen lots of that sort of sports photography. There have been photographers who've who've kind of drawn attention to this themselves, actually, mm -hmm. in their work. And 
you know, so that's not, and why is that? Well, because at the heart of Western culture still is this narrative of suffering mm. that is, you know, it's the depth of suffering. And it's almost like, you know, you kind of want to borrow from that. Now you could say that's cheap and, and nasty. And sometimes it is, but sometimes of course, it's, it's again, a kind of reminder this is a little snapshot of life that's happening here. Right. That disappointment that that player is feeling is mirrored in my life, is mirrored in all of these fans who are following. And, they, you know, and they they genuinely lost at that moment. Mm-hmm. They're in the pit of despair. It is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <laughs> right. But then, no. Um, yeah, I mean, I know it sounds cheap, but I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't think it, it, it touches on things. Right. that actually matter very, very deeply to us. Then you've got the um, uh, the transcendent moments of sport, of which there are many, yeah. you know? Um, you know, it, 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 I, I, I've never been able to... I'd probably be very unpopular with a huge swathe of the, the podcast audience at this point, but I've never got into basketball um, very much because for me, there are just too many points in it, you know? Uh, and, and you know, I, I, I know a lot of American kind of basketball fans can never understand soccer because you can go through a game without any goals and it's still a, you know, it's still a, you know, supposedly a great game. Well, how can you be a game without a goal? Um, so, you know, goals are difficult to come by in, in, in soccer. Mm. When it happens, you know, it's just like, wow. And particularly when it's a beauty, mm. you know, somebody smacks it in from 30 yards or, you know, or, or dribbles past, beats six players to get, you know, we've just had the, the women's uh, European championships in, in Britain. And um, that's opened up women's soccer in a way that it hadn't been opened up at all really before mm. in Britain. It's been popular in, in America and elsewhere for, um, you know, quite a long time. It's, it's probably more popular in some ways or more known than, uh, than men's soccer for a long time. But um but women's soccer in Britain wasn't. Now, they they won the European Championship, and the ecstasy on those women's faces when you know when 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 there's a team goal, or when there's an individual brilliance that just redeems the game for them. You know, mm. it's just a fantastic thing to be to witness mm. and to be a part. Of. And sometimes, you know, you can be not very committed to a particular um, a, a sport but still be caught up with it. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been yeah. watching athletics this week. The European athletics championships are on. Uh, you can see what a, you know, what a nut I am. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you watch somebody running the 5,000 metres, um, you know, 10,000 metres. I love middle distance running. And, you know, the agony that they go through. And then those last few laps where they crack up the pace, the top runners, and they're really going through absolute agony to cross that finishing line and they do and then the the relief the tears that, that come over them you yeah. know it's just incredible it's a beautiful thing to behold mm. whatever their nationality well mm-hmm. you know you know that the struggles that that athlete has gone through to to get to that point and what it means now that is something that transfers to my life too it transfers to the viewers to the, the mm. participants it's a moment of joy. It's a moment of, you know, kind of just fulfillment and release somewhere or other that mm. you can't find in any other way. I mean, that's the mm. that's the other thing about sport that is so different to a play or a film. You know, you go out to watch um, um a play in a theater, you know, and it can it can be exciting, it can be um uh, kind of gripping, but very I you know. And I, I, I love, I love that. I love to see those kind of things. But I know that for me, there is nothing similar to a dra- the drama of a game where you really don't know what the outcome will be. Mm. You really do not know what the outcome will be, and it's all in the balance until the last moment. And then somebody does something, and it's it's either oh no, <laughs> oh, you know, or it's thank you, God. (laughs) It happens. And uh, those things, they go deep. Yeah, Mm. totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's helpful. I was, you know, when you were saying like the whole thing of like, if, you know, if someone, if someone doesn't get a goal and we're all like, ah, it's like, this could be sacrilegious to say, I don't even know. But it's kind of like, you know, that whole thing that we're like, that we're crucified with Christ. 
and mm. raised with Christ. Like there's a there's an identify you know that in the mm. identification with Christ in death and resurrection. Like there's an identifying. Like I'm not playing the game, but right. somehow I'm like identifying with that person and caught yeah. up into it. I don't know. That could oh, be a bit of a stretch, but just a thought. No, I mean you know I think these <laughs> these things you know. What what the gospel does is brilliant. You know, it it's got something there, yeah, in it that is just people, and and the way we talk about it often is so kind of precious and unrelated to anything else. It's ours, and it's this is the religious thing. Well, no, actually, this is something that mm. you know, seen from another angle, mm. understood from another point of view, can mean a great deal to people. Mm. What's mm. a meta- what you've just done there is spun a metaphor. Uh, I think a lot of athletes, a lot of sports people would understand. We hope you've been enjoying this wonderful conversation. But Claire wanted to take a few seconds just to share some ways you could get involved more in the Regent College podcast. Totally. We at Regent, we love people being a part of the things that we're doing. And so there's a couple of different ways you can do that. If you've enjoyed this conversation or any of our other conversations, let someone know. Share it with them. Share it with a family member, with a friend, with someone who you think would appreciate this and would love to hear it. That's the first way. Mm-hmm. Second way, you could you could give us a rating or write a little uh, comment on one of the on wherever you listen to your podcast. That would be another great way. And then the final way that you could uh, participate with us is if you've enjoyed the podcast and you'd like to give a donation to Regent College, then we would warmly receive that. Yeah. You can do that by heading to rgnt.net forward slash give. And, you know, in the comment box, let them know that we sent you. Right, Nick? That's right. We do love hearing when people have appreciated the podcast. And so let you can let Nick know by sending an email to podcast at regent-college.edu. When Nick and I are having these conversations, it's sometimes hard for us to realise that actually people listen to these. And so when we get emails or we get a little note in the comment box on the donation page of our website, it just reminds us that people are actually listening and we love that. So please let us know that you're listening. Let us know if there are things that different profs that you'd like to hear from. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Are there ways that sports are uh, can be or contribute to sin? Mm. Are there ways that sports, mm. like anything, yeah. is actually antithetical yeah. to the gospel? And I'm thinking yeah. also, I guess I'm thinking of the sometimes the tribalism that sports create mm. or uh, even competition. Mm. Like there's a lot of harping on competitiveness and even capitalism, how it just drives people against one another. Um, yeah. I guess you have thoughts on, on that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think it's, it's absolutely right. I mean, there've been times when sport has been used particularly to drive people apart. Um, and, you know, um, sometimes it's been war by other means, isn't it? You know, you, you think of, some encounters at Olympics, for example, in the old days, maybe between the Soviet mm. Union and, and and America, where these encounters amounted to so much more than a sports game, whether it was hockey or something, you know, but um, could be, you know, it, it can be used in a in a in a kind of very aggressive way. I certainly, from a British point of view, you you saw. The 70s and the 80s were a terrible time in British football, British mm. soccer, when there was hooliganism, violence at stadia, you know, people beating each other up um, and, uh, you know, causing mayhem outside of stadiums and stadia mm. and within them. And that's a terrible thing. Um, so I think there's always that danger that that, that kind of tribal thing um, which can be, you know, it, it, you know, this is my town, this is my city, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. want to, you know, kind of root for it. It's kind of got a good element to it, it and mm-hmm. it pulls a community together. Right. But of course, it can put communities at odds with other communities. And, you know, that is that is a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. In the history of sport, I mean, I, um, the, the history of the Olympics, for, for example, you know, we saw the 1936 Olympics in, in Berlin which were used by the Nazis as a, um, it was a way of actually putting forward Nazi ideology mm. 
and a kind of the Aryan ideology, the, the you know the kind of uh, the Superman um, mm. idea, mm. and and you know that is just horrific sport as as propaganda at that point. Mm. So I think there are always those temptations and those mm. dangers at work, and uh, you know, and and I know that coaches can use that sort of thing as well, that aggression, right. mm. you know, to, to wind up their players to kind of to create a hatred for the opposition. I think that's a, that's a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think all yeah. sports are created equal? So like thinking about the kind of violence kind of thing. So, you know, that WW, whatever it is, F wrestling is like, <laughs> what in the world? Like that to me is like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I could, like it does, like it's that overt, it feels yeah. like an overt violence. I don't know, but is that, I mean, am I just being... I mean, you there's a, yeah, there's also UFC too. There's right. been different fighting as well. Yeah, that you could well, box even. Uh, oh, I don't know, yeah. boxing. I I, I I hate it, frankly, and yeah. I think, um, you know, you talked about the commercialization of sport, um, in that earlier question, mm. um, and uh, Nick, and I, I think what the commercialization can do is drive that product, mm. you know into nasty places where you know you you build up one side as one figure in the wrestling match as a heroic figure mm. a and the other person as despicable you know deserving of our contempt our our hatred you know they seem to that seems to be built in to the showmanship of it all i i just mm. think that's that's terrible and that goes back to you know, I, I think that helps you understand why the early Christians felt so conflicted mm. about sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's it's a it's a fact that the Olympic Games were banned mm. under a Christian emperor, and you know that there are there are complicated reasons for that. Uh, but you know, one of the the reasons I'm sure is that sense of conflict that was involved certainly in the um the contests in the arena you know yeah humans against animals gladiator against gladiator and all of that which was intimately tied in with 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 sport at the time and it was a kind of an affront mm. to humanity augustine's mm-hmm. got a fabulous line in uh, the city of god where you know, he's, not, he's not talking about about sport, particularly, I, I, he might be talking about the the contest, the gladiatorial contest, actually. And he, he says that God's majesty cannot delight in that which pollutes human dignity. And and I mm. think that's what's mm. going on with a lot of the kind mm. of mm-hmm. the, the sport um, when when it, it's at that level of hatred and of destruction and the violence done to the other person deliberately to inflict violence on them. So, you know, yeah, I, I do have reservations, even with boxing, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know boxing can be a, a beautiful art and amateur boxing can be can be great, but uh, I still I, I still think that there is that element of um beating the your opponent into a pulp that is um really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I know that. Um, I think you've talked about this too, but Tertullian didn't have a favorable view of of sports and the Olympic Games either. But was that yeah. what? Because was that? What, where do you are you saying that that was more so tied to religious affairs at that time? Like it was tied. Yeah, to- well, in the Olympics, which were incredible. Actually, I mean, the Olympics ran from the eighth century BC to the fourth century AD. You know, twelve hundred years. Absolutely incredible mm-hmm. institution mm-hmm. and you know mm. um but of course they sprang and this was Tertullian point really Tertullian was saying that mixed in with this sporting endeavor was worship of the gods mm-hmm. and there's no question that was the case you know we you know we talk about the olympics olympus was a center of worship mm-hmm. of the gods it was the home of the gods mm. and um, so from the beginning, the kind of pagan system mm. was built into the uh, the Olympic Games and mm. pagan sacrifice and uh, and all this kind of stuff in honor of the gods worked in with the ceremony itself. So mm-hmm. 
it didn't surprise me that Tertullian, you know, sometimes Tertullian and Augustine get a, a bad rap as kind of people who just, you know, killjoys, basically, kind of Puritans <laughs> against any fun. I don't think that's really the point here. Mm. I think, actually, um, above all, they're, con- they're concerned about human dignity. Mm. They are humanists. Mm. And, um, you know, I think we need to, you know, acknowledge that, recover it in, a, yeah. in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, are sports sacred, do you think? You know, we want to say that all of, you know, there's a, there's a sacramentality to all of life, but does a sport sacred? You know, the football field sometimes sacred. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, yes, I, this is, I'm, I'm, I've been struggling for years. Mm. God, this is, uh, this is a, a kind of, you know, a confessional box. Yeah, but I was struggling <laughs> to write a book about the sacred. This is one of the things that has been at the heart of all I've been mm. kind of thinking about for years. I, I've never been able to get it straight. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying at the moment. I'm still trying. Maybe before I die, I will actually produce something. But um, the sacred is such a complex mm. issue and such mm. an important issue because it does matter. And I mean, when I said earlier that I thought, you know, sport matters, and it does have a meaning. Well, in in some at some level, we're saying, don't dismiss this. Mm. There's something important here that is has got a kind of sanctity about it. Um, Michael Novak, who's this great um, uh, American th- thinker, you know, wrote a lot about uh, 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 about politics and society, but he also wrote a wonderful book about sports, and he talks about the kind of um, the way in which you get a, a kind of sense of godliness mm, out of sport. Mm, mm. Kind of, you know, at the very least, he says, a kind of pagan sense of godliness and, and a dim sense of a, a kind of a recognition of, of the profundity of life mm. that comes in sport. So to that extent, yes, it you know, it's not to be sneered at. It's not to be just dismissed as sinful and, you know, a hopeless endeavor it's a human activity and like all of our activities they're capable of they're open to god actually they're open to god's presence and to god's breaking in to life and they're open to kind of stimulating us about uh, about what it all means mm. so yeah i'm loath to say no it's not sacred there is a sanctity of all human endeavor at its best i would say there's a sanctity about art at its best, um, uh, sometimes even at its worst. Right. You know, it bears witness. Yeah. It bears witness to something that points beyond itself. Mm. Even mm. you've got the most horrible kind of portrayal of something, and yet it makes you ask questions that don't leave you satisfied with the way things are. Mm. Sport can do that again yeah. at its worst as well. So there is a kind of sanctity to it. It's where we. You know where we fall down, where I've fallen down, I'm sure, as a as a human being, as a Christian, is to kind of give it more status than it deserves, more place than it you know kind of it really should have, mm. and to make it bear more weight than it should have as mm. well. That's the other, mm. you know, mm. because if you start talking about it as sacred, then you start thinking, okay, well, I can I can invest that then, if I as long as I invest my energies in that, right. That, you know, that's what really counts. And then it becomes an idol. Mm. Then it can't pull the weight of our expectations and it let us down. It'll it'll destroy us. Mm. It'll it'll be blown away in the wind, just like every other idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder with that is just how how do like both as if you're an athlete or even a even a spectator, how can you cultivate that? healthy relationship Mm. with the sporting activity like i'm thinking of uh either a competitor or an athlete or somebody who even watches sports regularly like how do how do you do that yourself even well you know you you, you've got to i mean I, i think there's there's always that sense of um the pearl of great price isn't it where is that to be found you know Where's the field that holds it that I need to dig in in mm. order to find that pool of great price? Um, you know, and if I'm if I'm not paying attention to that, 
I'm likely to move the, lose the significance of the other fields round about as well. Mm. You know, um, mm. so I think to have the to have a kind of to have a center in worship in um, the Christian life, um, uh, and to have to, to seek to place God at the center of life mm. that that matters whatever line we're in i mean but sometimes i think we expect too much of sports people you know oh, we expect sorry. sports people to be somehow you know better at this than the rest of us are <laughs> um and you know they've got to be sport they've got to be good at what they do they've got to put the hours in they've got to you know they've got to be really serious about it and committed um just as i tried to be in my profession and still mm. try to be in the work that I, that I do, you know, I, I got to be serious about it and, and invest in all of that. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm kind of being less, less of a Christian. In fact, right. I would hope that I'm being a Christian in what I do, mm-hmm. you know, um, but um, it is that sense of, 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 you know, okay, where's, where's the center here guys? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. What is the center of, of our lives? And if, if I think, that my worth as a person exists purely in, you know, when I was a, making films in my success as a filmmaker, that's going to let me down. It did let me down, mm-hmm. you know, when I, you know, when I, I kind of put all my eggs in that basket, as it were, you know, you suddenly realize, oh yeah, actually not, you're not that brilliant, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get, get real here, you know, yeah, this, this, this isn't going to do it. Um, mm. um, and I'm, uh, you know, I know, uh, from experience, but I, you know, from watching other the, the experiences of sports people, um, sport can let people down. It does let people mm, down. Mm. Um, there's a line that said about um, politicians that uh, you know every political career ends in failure. I mean, it's a horrible <laughs> line, but it's probably true because uh, at some point you lose an election or you mm, mm. you realize your time's up, you got to leave office. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's probably true in sport. You know, every, every sporting career ends in, in failure. You know, uh, even the acknowledgement that you can't go on—that's a kind of a failure, isn't it? Mm, right. You know, people who the very pinnacle. You know, we think of Serena Williams. Mm, in mm. Tennis, you know, bless her. You know, she she wanted to do, wants to do more, but doesn't feel she can. Yeah. And it comes to an end. You know, well, you know, it's it's sad. It's it that matters, but. It's not the end of her life. It's not mm. the end of her experience as a person, right. as as a um, as a star of 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 the game, actually, but also as as a human being mm-hmm. and all that she's got to give to life. So, you know, it's that sense of where's the center? What's the yeah. you know what's the thing that that allows you to get your bearings in life? Right. And um, I think that the idol, the idols, can always be spotted by mm-hmm. that, really. Mm. You know, if that's where we're finding our bearings, that's where our idols are too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, really yeah. And it makes me think about even limitations, like you're saying, like the point at which we like we recognize our creatureliness as a you know, athletes realize I'm 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 too old to do this now. I can't do this. So there's a recognition of their limitations, which is really mm-hmm. good and helpful because sometimes as humans we don't recognize our creatureliness mm. and our limitations. And so there's almost like there's a nice picture of limitations. But then, Indeed, as you say, yeah. it's not actually, that's not the end of their significance and their their worth and value. But yeah. And I mean, yeah. the greatest, I mean, by and large, it's, it's not always true, but the, but the greatest sports people that you hear and, and, you know, see interviewed and so on are often the most humble. Yeah, totally. About, mm-hmm. the, about this very thing. About their dependence upon their coaches, their team, mm-hmm. um, their parents, their upbringing. I mean, all you know, all all the sorts of the factors that have allowed them to do what they do. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that um, that's a great thing to to be yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems sports, even like if you enter sports at a young age, it teaches you how about those limitations, also how how to fail, how to lose. Yeah. I was always glad my kids um, uh, played soccer and um, they played some rugby as well, but mainly soccer. And on on a Saturday, they would travel all over 
you know, South Wales playing football games. I mean, later, you know, wider afield than that. And, you know, it was always great to, to, to see them having to interact with kids their age from very different backgrounds, mm. and, you know, all different schools, different sort of social um, uh, places in, in the world. And, and, you know, the kind of the sense of that gave them, and of course that, you know, that can, under the wrong kind of leadership, that can lead to, to sort of contempt or mm. hatred of people who live in, in some other place and they're the team that comes from there mm-hmm. or they're a bunch of rats or whatever. But at its best, it can lead to wonderful friendships, camaraderie, mm-hmm. you know, fellow feeling, um, and a sense of discipline. I mean, actually, mm. you know, children, mm. uh, you know, sport can bring that in a way that few other things do to their lives now, actually. Mm. Um, you know, they, they often don't get any sort of sense of discipline at home. Mm-hmm. You know, his parents are, are afraid or that's not the way they've been brought up themselves. And, you know, whereas in, in a good sporting setup, they've got to learn the disciplines of the game. Mm. And I think this is one of the things that makes, again, makes sport such a, a fascinating and important human area. Mm-hmm. You know, it is about rules mm. about boundaries about limitations mm-hmm. to a degree mm-hmm. and it, again it's very very similar to the arts and bart carl bart's got this wonderful um uh enthusiasm for mozart and, and wrote a lot about mozart he wrote a, a little a little booklet um you know of, of 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 essays of appreciation for mozart but in the church dogmatics he also uses mozart when he wants to talk about some really, really deep things to do with the doctrine of creation, the doctrine of um, mm. human meaning mm-hmm. um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a kind of apparently limitless universe, mm, you know? Mm. And he talks about the way in which Mozart is a brilliant, brilliant, free soul, apparently, in the world of music. And why is he that? Well, it's because he's learned music so well. Mm. He knows he knows the rules of the game, as it were. He mm-hmm. knows music. He knows it so well that sometimes he can break the rules, as it right. were. Mm-hmm. But, but what fascinates Mozart, uh, Bart about Mozart is the way in which Mozart seems to be this free soul, and yet he's playing within these mm-hmm. boundaries that mm-hmm. he accepts for himself. He accepts the limitations. Now, Bart uses that as an image of the creature at play. That's God's intention for us, he says. Mm. And he contrasts Mozart to Bach. I mean, you know, Bach, Karl Bach was wrong about this. I mean, he he kind of downplayed Bach, uh, Bach's music versus Mozart. I think he's wrong about that, but I love Bach. <laughs> but he saw Bach as this kind of churchy, you know, art, art, artistic figure, uh, and Mozart as this kind of non-churchy guy, which is kind of true, He did, you know, he didn't seem to have the same sort of theological depth mm. uh, as, as as Bach did at all. And yet there's profundity mm. to what he does. And he paints, he he experiences life through his music. We experience life through his music mm-hmm. in a way that's just rich. And there is light and there is darkness and there are, there are ups and downs. And you know that there's struggle there, even in the most beautiful uh pieces lyrical bits of of mozart's music mm. well i think you can extend that to sport very easily yep. you know that is you know does god care about sport well, i think he does does god care about mozart making his music bart has got this wonderful picture of um you know when when he gets to heaven he says you know he he imagines that um, he'll see you know during the day the angels will be kind of you know playing Bach on their violins and, and stuff like that, you know, in order to, but in the evening, um, you know, they'll, they'll want to go in and play a bit of Mozart and God will listen in, you know, just, well, you know, that's a weird kind of little, um, you know, um, a, a weird picture, but it gives you that sense of delight that God, mm. you know, has in human creativity, mm-hmm. in yeah. human freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's what's at stake in art. It's at stake in music too, mm. human freedom. That's what we're called to. Mm. We're not called to 
you know, kind of this horrible, constricted, um, boring, puritanical life. We're called to live lives of creativity before God. So when sports people play sports to the best of their ability, to brilliant effect, you know, of course it delights us. Mm. It's free. It's wonderful. And, you know, does it delight God too? I'm sure it does. Yeah. Mm. So we're going to play foot football in the new heavens and new earth yeah i hope so yeah yeah <laughs> or at least or, watch or it, watch it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to think that my knees would would you know yeah new bodies but of course it's the body it's the body again isn't it yeah will we do anything with our bodies and i i blinking well i hope so mm, i hope mm-hmm. so too um you and we're looking forward to you you've been away you know, well, you've been away from Vancouver, but you're coming to take, take, teach a class this term, yeah. weekend class, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, the vocation oh, of the right. artist. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. What are you, what are you looking forward to about that? Yeah, so that's happening over over three weekends in October, and we've got a great uh, group of students, as we always do for for um, for art stuff at Regent. It's it's fantastic. Um, for the last two years, it's been on Zoom. Um, and it would have been on Zoom as well because, um, you know, uh, Regent hasn't been able to um, appoint uh, a replacement uh, in the arts yet. So um, in the meantime, I'm still doing the art stuff. And I thought rather than do it on Zoom again, it'd be great to come to Regent and be able to, to do it. But of course, to do it over a term that'd be very costly, you know, for mm. everybody. Um, so we've packed it into three weekends. So we do, we're doing it in a different way. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, it's always a, a rich experience for not just the students, but also for me and Ron Reed. We, we co-teach it. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing to be part of a conversation that happens over the course of this seminar with mm. uh, students who've got different ideas and different disciplines different kind of artistic areas that they're interested in. And we talk about their work. We also talk about their, the papers that they write and um, very much looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And then I hope, you know, th- there'll be time to do some other things as well during the week. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe um, get together for, a, you know, a, a, a visit to a gallery or a, a concert or something with some Regent students, anybody wants to come and, you know, maybe a, a pint or two down the wall, <laughs> if such things are still allowed. Yeah, there you go. Indeed they are. Indeed they are. Well, we're looking forward to having you back, Ewan. As always, it's always so good. I feel like you could talk to Ewan about kind of anything and he'd make it make sense kind of theologically and be mm. a little bit cheeky on the on the edge yeah. as well. It's always it's always good to have a conversation with you. So uh, th- thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. We're looking forward to, uh, to, to coming back yeah. to Regent, which is a great place. We'll look forward to having you back. Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.